and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner A Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who doesn't have a tool belt, but he's got hammer pants. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Kieran. Uh, it's weird to think that we're about to be in our, our third season of this podcast. I think we got got plans to make it bigger and better than ever this year. So thanks everyone who is who has followed along and listened and supported. I think the best is yet to come. I think we are the best Detroit Tigers podcast out there, and I'm excited for what the next year holds. Well said, Cody. And, you know, if I were to give, like, what my goals are for this podcast, I would I would label it as, like, you know, could we be the best? Obviously, I want to be the best, you know. But I want to be the most interesting. I think that's usually what I kind of where I kind of align more is like, can we be the most fun? Can we be the most interesting? And that's obviously no slide about any other people that talk about their favorite teams or professionally like you do. But I, I feel like we, we have the most fun here. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say we have the most fun. We have a lot of fun doing this. I hope that is reflected in everybody listening. And of course we appreciate it. Um, I put on Twitter this week, I got my tickets. I'm going to the home opener. I'm going to the Saturday game. Uh, I, I just got the cheapest seats I could. I don't really plan on sitting. I kind of plan on being, just being in the ballpark, walking around, trying to meet as many people as possible. That includes pre and post game activities. Uh, have a, have a soda pop or two looking forward to that. So yes, we are, you're a week from going in down to Florida, which I mean, just, it's one of those things that always creeps up on you. It's kind of like back when, in the day when we were beat writers covering the Oklahoma State football team and you feel like you're like four games into the season it's like all right here comes basketball media day it's like wait basketball season's here already and uh so yeah baseball season is more or less here already and this podcast the next week's podcast will be sort of like wrapping up the offseason state of the team stuff before we kind of get talking about things that are a little bit more tangible tangible I should say the big thing this week in regards to that was you put out your annual Tigers fan survey, which I appreciate. I think that's a really interesting thought exercise because even when like I filled it out myself, I, I kind of went back and forth on some things. What's my confidence level in, in Hinch? What's my confidence level in Harris? Uh, or how do I rate the higher? And you know, who's, what prospect do I like the best? And, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I thought your questions were very well put. And it also allows us to see what the fan base as a whole is thinking, and it's not great. <laughs> it, it's it's not great. As to be expected, the fan base is been kind of dragged through the mud like in terms of the product on the field like it just hasn't been good there's no other way to put it patience is uh, like i believe in in organization building long-term building i believe in the patient approach but it's hard it is hard so before we kind of dive into some of these more individual questions uh which you can read in full if you're a subscriber to the athletic uh do you have sort of a general uh, observation of of uh, of the tallies that you were able to accumulate in this survey. 
Yeah, the truth is it's far more pessimistic. One of the things about doing this annually is it's fun to go back and compare, okay, how did people answer this in the past? How has confidence, um, you know, last year A.J. Hinch was like the most popular person ever, and this year he's still graded out well, but you can see the, you know, the enthusiasm has cooled a little bit. Chris Illich's ratings, I think, have... Uh, they weren't great, and then they ticked up a little bit after last offseason, started spending on some free agents, and this year his ratings are uh, are kind of in the dumpster. You know, who's your tiger to see Riley Green just dominate that this year? Um, you know, after only being a rookie is really mm-hmm. interesting to still see the love for Miguel Cabrera, to see how people jumped on the Akil Badu bandwagon and then jumped off the Akil Badu bandwagon uh, real quick. I, I just think it was super interesting to see how these things ebb and flow, and it's often naturally related to the performance of the team. And because of the performance of the team over the past six, seven years, and especially the disaster that was last year, um, there was absolutely less of that optimistic spirit in this survey i mean that's just the truth and so that's another thing i hope you guys know you know we're we're gonna give it to you straight on this pod you know i was listening to another uh tigers production recently that was team sponsored and it was just everything was overwhelmingly positive and uh here i i just hope you know that if i say something negative it's because i believe it if i say something positive it's because i believe it if i'm not sure i'll say hey this is what the team is saying I don't know if it's true or not. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, that's how I'm trying to deliver it to you. So we're not – look at this survey. The uh, How confident are you um, about the direction of the franchise? Well, most people are a, a two or a three on a scale one to five, which I guess isn't terrible. It's not like everyone is a one, but it's down noticeably from last year. 49.6 people uh, were, were a four out of five. So you can see that tick down pretty, pretty clearly and is, is most palpable this time around. Yeah, and I think the most interesting one that I had to answer myself, and I believe I was in the majority if I uh, if I look at it, was how would you rate A.J. Hinch? Mm-hmm. So A.J. Hinch was obviously somebody who came here under a circumstance that was, we'll just say, unique. <laughs> and that's one way to put it. And, As more details of Evangelic's book uh, yeah. continue to come out, go Google Alex Cora if you haven't uh, recently. Yes, yes, and that looks like it's going to be a great book. So, uh, a unique circumstance that brought AJ Hinch here. Lucky to have him, given the state of the team. I mean, you don't typically go from Ron Gardenhire, then this is not to be a slight at him to a most recent world series a very recent world series winning manager like it just doesn't typically happen so i feel like the fan base kind of felt lucky to have him and justifiably so and then you have the promise of year one improve the roster going into year two and not so much with uh with the team success so i believe i gave him a seven i think if i recall correctly which that was the majority nearly 30 percent uh rated him uh, a seven out of ten and i think that's fair i think it's fair to say that you have one of the more well-respected managers however i think it's also fair to say 
I don't know if you could give much above a seven slash a C, you know, if you want to do letter grades when the team has yet to have a 500 season. And now, understanding the roster limitations and all these other things, it would just it was just hard for me to go above that one percent of people. So like what twelve people gave him a ten, uh, which you know more power to him for sliding the scale a little bit, and half a percent gave him a poor. I'm not really sure what you expect that. So I thought a seven was fair, Cody. I think a six I would understand if someone gave a six. Uh, what did you kind of make of the fan responses to A.J. Hinch? Because we're well out of honeymoon with him, and I think everybody still likes him and respects him, but at the same time, I don't know if there's this, like, galvanating enthusiasm right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the 6, 7, 8 range is all pretty appropriate. I, I think A.J. is, you know, other than Riley Green, uh, you know, maybe the best thing that the Tigers have going for them right now this is a guy you can just feel his professional impact uh on the organization one of the myths uh that's been kind of dispelled over the past few years like when when ron gardenhire retired there was this narrative out there and and even i said it, it was like you know we're gonna look back on this in a few years and think oh guardy and his staff really laid the foundation for what was to come and Turns out that's completely <laughs> false because, you know, we're now almost three years removed from Garden Hire and going to have a whole new roster pretty much. Um, you hear Matthew Boyd basically saying, yeah, I, you know, I had to do everything myself back then in terms of <laughs> analytics, deeper analysis. He literally, he literally said that. He didn't name names. It was basically like Rick Anderson just, you know, was like throw strikes. And I cool. think Rick Anderson knows a lot about pitching. He had a lot of success in Minnesota, but I think it was it, by the end it was pretty clear that uh, the game had passed those guys by a little bit, and um, their impact is not really felt in the organization at all anymore. Hinch has really brought things up to speed, modernized things, and brings a certain credibility that I think is very important for the Tigers to have. Um, I think, although some executives might have been leery of a manager with as much uh influence as Hinch has I think it was also I don't know if you get a Scott Harris without already having a a, a credible figure like AJ Hinch in the organization Um, in terms of on the field this is I think a big year for AJ in terms of like perception in the fan base if things are just a disaster again you know you could see this rating suddenly getting getting pretty low pretty fast or if things are more like 2021 this thing and guys make tangible strides on the field. This thing is shooting back up uh, to like the eight, nine, ten range. Um, for now, I think I think people were very reasonable, very fair uh, with with probably how AJ should be rated. It's brought a lot a lot of good things to the organization, but until you actually win something, you know, you can't be just handing out tens. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. In terms of, you said on the field, it's a big year for him. I I hope to glean, whether it's through source reporting or examples that he flat out says, I hope to glean a little bit more of his, of him being aligned with Scott Harris. Like, like it, the, 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 the Avila thing, and we'll get to Avila in a second. The Avila thing was always like a weird fit. I, like I, I feel like that's fair to say, and it was 
a little bit of an awkward thing where it's like your GM's on the hot seat, but you also just got hired by him. You know, that's just a strange dynamic for any organization. So whatever influence AJ may or may not have had in the uh, hire of Scott Harris, I, I just want to see more examples of, of the manager seat to the GM seat being aligned more in terms of philosophy, in terms of roster building, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, speaking of Scott Harris, I actually thought this was, I thought that was kind of surprising that, you know, how would you rate the hire in eight? Uh, not that I disagree with anyone who did it. The 30.1% of people who gave it an eight. It's just that, like, like if Theo had been hired, what what would that have been? It would have had to have at minimum been an eight, right? You know, because a guy with a proven yeah. track record, you know. I just feel like, like I thought about doing an eight because I really like everything Scott has said and and these stacking of baseball moves, like you know the Malloy trade, the the Soto trade. Like I like his approach, but I just can't give an eight to someone who literally has no track record. It's sort of like my thought process. So I believe I gave that a seven, which came in at twenty two percent. But it is sort of an interesting contradiction where. I, I read an article on uh, on one of the Tigers, you know, I don't want to use the term blogs, but, you know, one of the non-traditional media writing forums where they called, like, his offseason much maligned. And we've seen people and be dissatisfied with returns on trades or the lack of free agent signings. And we talked about it last week about the plan at third base and, you know, the second guessing that can be involved there. So all that stuff with his first offseason, of course, the Boyd signing, like, why would you sign him for this much money? You know, that kind of thing. All this stuff in his first offseason, I was just still surprised to see the fans give him an eight, a first-time GM. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective. Uh, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting Scott Harrison eight, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think Scott Harris is uh, – Kind of like the Matt Veerling of baseball executives. <laughs> like the profile is tremendous. You know, like you, you love, you know, you look at the stat cast and it's like young, worked for Theo, worked for Farhan Zaidi. Like the uh, the peripheral numbers, the peripheral aspects of Scott Harris are terrific. You know, wins the press conference, uh, young, charismatic guy, uh, clearly smart, likes to tinker around on the waiver wire and cares about dominating the strike zone. And all the all these things create the impression of a really good baseball executive. Um, then it comes down to, you know, and that's why I phrased the question, not how would you rate Scott Harris, because right. he hasn't had long enough mm-hmm. to really, you know, for us to judge. Um, how would you rate the hire of Scott Harris? Uh, you know, I, I don't blame anyone who went with an eight at the same time, you know, um, yeah, there is no actual track record. There is no actual result. So if you want to temper things with a seven, a six, I think that is, that is fine too. But very few people, you know, went with anything below a five, which shows people are encouraged, of course, by this hire now. Probably they would have been encouraged by anyone not named Alabila, but, uh, you know, I think the most educated fans wanted someone who was going to bring the Tigers into the modern age, and I think Scott Harris very much fits the bill of 
someone who's going to do that. Um, I've been critical of a couple things, you know, regarding the Tigers this offseason, and that's not because I think, you know, Scott Harris is off to a bad start. I think everything he has done makes sense. I think that's just more me, uh, number one, doing my job, being objective. Number two, being like, do you guys actually care about 2023 or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then learning from experience and covering the Alavila regime and learning that uh, sometimes you can't just always regurgitate what you're told and what the plan is mm-hmm. in the long term because fans were, were burned on that. And, uh, you know, uh, there, there are times where I was critical of Al, times I probably could have been more critical of Al. So, um, that's a long way of saying that uh, I have no problem with, with any of this regarding Scott Harris. Sure. And you're right to not do the offseason one there because it was it's a slow burn what Scott's trying to do. And that doesn't mean it's the bad move. It probably is the right move. It just sucks in the, while it's happening. Uh, but interesting, though, I think people that gave the higher an eight— how many of them gave Chris Illich a three? You know? <laughs> be, 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 uh, I, I could go into some pivot tables and figure that out. Uh, I didn't do that, but I don't know. I, I would guess a decent amount. <laughs> maybe maybe next week, if, if you think of it, we'll, we'll, we can come back to that. But you, but you see what I'm saying, where it's like, who made the hire? You know, who ran the show to get yeah. Scott Harrison here? And I understand. Well, that's... That's also a little bit of a question. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. So yeah, that is true. I, I just generally speaking, I don't think Chris does himself much favors by how he appears, like or lack thereof, times like out in the public. Like you know, I'm not gonna tell a man how to do his job, but uh, I just think public perception could be improved. That's all. Uh, but he, you know, he's technically the one who signed the dotted line for the hire. I would wager that contractually Scott Harris got some things that maybe not many other first time GMs would get given the situation of the franchise. That's how you get talented people over here when you're not in the best of spaces and the Tigers right now are not in the best of spaces. So I thought that was interesting just to kind of recap for people, Illich rating, Three was the top choice. It was actually pretty diverse. Only 19%. Five, 16.6%. Two, 16.3%. And one. It's like I'm reading NBA draft lottery odds right now. And one, 16.2%. So basically from one, two, five, and three is separated by just 3%. Uh, So shout out to Chris for getting, you know, a five rating as your second most uh, popular uh, choice there. And, and look, the bottom line is what, what people want out of their team owners. They want team owners that are dedicated to winning and, and done so through their actions, both with uh, salaries, especially in a non-salary cap league and hiring expensive, good expensive talent. Like, again, I don't know how much managers make or president of baseball ops make, but, you know, I'm sure A.J. Hinch didn't come to Detroit for minimum wage. You know, I think that's kind of safe to say. So, like, if you if you like the leadership in place, Hinch and Harris, you ought to have at least some favorable rating of Chris Illich. Not, like, an overwhelmingly favorable, but some favorable. And then, then you can get into the other stuff about how he handles payroll and, you know, stadium stuff and having Pepsi as a sponsor. You know, things the, things beneath the surface <laughs> like that. So, so and, and, and 
the the point that was yeah. brought up a lot was Illich is regarded as a very loyal guy in baseball circle uh, circles. I don't how true that is. How much propaganda is that getting out there? I don't know, but I would deem that a good trait. Generally speaking, you don't want Jim Ursay as your owner, right? You don't want an impulsive guy, you know. Or I, I like people who are that are loyal to the people they hire. Now, something that comes with faults, just like everything does. But I'd rather I think that wants that is more attractive to bring people in just generally speaking yeah it just is such an interesting topic uh honestly i think i would probably rate him with like a four um in that he's not as bad as he can be made out to yeah. be. his like public skills are maybe you know lower than a four but overall as an owner he's fine he's adequate uh, he's devoted not a huge amount, but a decent amount of money to the payroll. Their payroll is going to be lower this year than it was last year. I don't think that's a great look. But he did spend last year. You know, he's put some money into the ballpark. He's put money into the infrastructure. He's hired smart people like AJ, like Scott Harris. Um, he hasn't made, you know, he hasn't shown that aggression. Um, I thought it was interesting. We did like the uh, fantasy draft thing at the athletic last year where we had to draft like an owner and a ballpark all yeah. the mlb writers and chris went like middle of the pack among owners and i think the thought is well the tigers have spent in the past even though that was more under um you know mike illich i think there's just that perception that oh you know tigers are willing to put some money toward the payroll and again chris did sign javi Baez and eduardo rodriguez he did more than I'd rather have Chris Illich than the, the Orioles owner right now. Oh, you know, God. Artie Marino, you know, which Artie Marino spins, but is still not uh, perceived as a good owner. You go down the list of billionaire owners <laughs> and you quickly realize, like, it could actually be a lot worse than Chris yeah. Illich. You know, you would like to have someone who oozed more passion. You would like to have someone who's better uh, in front of the microphone. You would like to have someone maybe just better regarded in the community. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't think it's as bad as it can feel sometimes, yeah. if that makes any sense. Well, if you if you read Boston Red Sox coverage, A, you might get a slant because their ownership group, uh, I think they own the Globe. I think it's the Globe. Yes, yes. they own the Globe. And, uh, and Red Sox fans are not happy with the ownership group because they'll say, like, they're a big market team trying to operate like a Tampa Bay. Uh, which uh, they have that I, I don't think that's quite fair, but the perception. Well, they, they hired a raise executive. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they spend they spent more just they just spent weirdly. Uh, the, by the way, if you think you're unhappy with Javi Baez, imagine giving that same contract to Trevor Story, not knowing if he can throw a baseball. You know that you know yeah that yeah. was a concern that we had at the time with all the shortstops. Like I, I just don't know this elbow thing makes me nervous and. I was listening to a, this is a short little tangent, I promise. I advocated for signing a story uh, over Baez for the record, and I still don't necessarily feel that that's wrong. I said that not knowing what's in the medicals, yeah. so I don't, I don't know what teams Well, this, this one guy goes, you know, he's a shortstop, and he's completely healthy, except he looks hurt whenever he has to throw a baseball or swing a bat. Uh, <laughs> not not great for your 120 130 whatever it was a uh, million dollar investment. All right, uh I think we'll this will be the last time we talk about Alavila and like giving 
some credit and then other criticisms or whatever. Let's, we'll, we'll kind of put a bow on Alavila basically on this podcast. You asked, what would you grade the Avila era, the Avila regime, now that it's over and we can look back? And I believe this is the grade I got. I, I gave. I gave a D. I gave a D. Forty percent of people gave a D. I you can't give a passing grade, given that the Tigers were where's that number, uh, four hundred twenty-seven and six hundred one in his tenure as GM, given the return of Martinez and Verlander trades. I do believe, like, look, he was handed a crap sandwich, and he was able to do some things that I think will pay off, again, bringing in AJ, getting them out of the basement, analytically speaking, and making, like, the Riley Green selection and, you know, a couple of these other things. Like, there are some good stuff that will come out of the Vila regime, so I couldn't give an F. Like, an F, like, like you have to earn an F for me. I thought a D was fair. Can't pass, given how things transpired. I couldn't give an F because uh, I... Yeah, that's how much basically. That's like the Riley Green grade. So you didn't draft Riley Green. I might have been, you know, closer to an F. But I thought a D was fair. And now, like I said, forty percent, thirty-three percent though gave an F grade. Yeah, I'd probably go D. I think F would be reserved for uh, someone who got fired for like legal issues or point. for as much as the Avila rebuild just did not work. That's clear. That's why more than 73% went with either a D or an F. Uh, it's not like the Tigers are left with just a saddle of bad contracts that Avila signed, you know, Baez, and maybe it's not terrible when you consider Baez is still, a, a, you know, better than average shortstop. Um, you know, the, the draft, the farm, the draft record's not great. Obviously, the trade record's terrible. Obviously, the team never won. I think it's a D. Uh, at the same time, like I think, does Scott Harris feel like he's stepping into a D or an F situation? I don't think he leaves the Giants if he thinks this is an F. Mm, you know, thinks point. it's a C minus a D. You know, there's a lot of work to do, but there's there's kind of a foundation where you can you can kind of build your own house and make it what you want to. It's not like you're just tearing down a decrepit house uh, so much anymore. I mean, maybe a little bit of that, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I'd go to yeah. It's not like you're trying to build on a swamp. Like at least there's there at least at least yeah. there's some ground uh, ground floor there. All right, uh, Tigers prospect most excited about. I found this really interesting. Cold Keith coming one in. Of the most interesting ones. Cold Keith coming in. Nearly one third of responders saying Cold Keith, Jackson Job, one fourth of responders, Jace Young, twenty percent. Wilmer Flores, who I think we're going to see this year, 13.6%. Shout out Ty Madden getting the 1.7. That was, uh, you know, good <laughs> for him. And I think this is this is going to go way up. I think people are going to be excited about Justin Henry uh, Malloy uh, here in a month. In a month, we're going to be talking a lot about him, in my opinion. He get, comes in at just under 1%. Uh, I wrote in for this one, Cody. I wrote in Christian Santana. Uh, as hey, like as, a, as a guy that I'm most excited about, mainly because I just, you know, I'm excited to see. Like, they gave him, it was one of their more expensive international signings at the time. And he's, you know, he's young. He's certainly shown more promise than Roberto Campos. 
to this point, and he plays shortstop, which you know that might be that's a, that's obviously a premier position. So I'm more I'm most excited about Christian Santana, but uh, Cole Keith though, shout out. Uh, I'm almost afraid for him. I think the hype train's getting pretty real for this guy. That's that's unfortunately kind of my gut reaction. It's like remember remember the Dylan Dingler hype train. Suddenly, no one voted for Dylan Dingler like at all. Like Cole Keith has not played above high A. I think what really works in his favor, he did go to the Arizona Fall League, where there are a lot of good prospects, upper level prospects. Any rate, he had three forty four. He had a four sixty three OBP. I think that Fall League performance in sixty one at bats, small sample, but that Fall League performance uh, I put, is what I put the most stake into. Otherwise, I think I'm a little skeptical of any hitter uh, until they reach the double-A level. Now, my initial impressions, having seen Cole Keith you know, before, seems like a guy who can really hit, who has a good approach, who can make contact with the ball, and I do think it's a good enough tool that it is going to continue to play. Um, he's a big kid. I think there's some more power that can be unlocked. He almost closes himself off, like trying to hit to the opposite field too much. Um, there's some questions about his defense. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up going to outfield. Uh, I, I think that is fine. I like Colt Keith as a prospect. Uh, there, there was a, a lot of back and forth. Should he have been a, on the top 100 list or not? You know, I think, I think he's a top 150 prospect without a doubt, whether you want to rank him in the eighties or the one tens or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just hard to know with these things. Um, so I didn't have a problem with anyone who left him out of the top 100. I didn't have a problem with anyone who put him in the top 100. I like Colt Keith. Uh, he was hurt last year, though. He played 48 games. I, I just think we need to see a little more uh, before we before we go all in on the Colt Keith. Well, I'll tell you, something that's not going to slow down the hype train it, Hype train is how uh, ESPN's uh, Kylie McDaniel like kind of like slotted him. So he slotted him at number 75, but he does this thing, if people haven't read it, where it's like, what type of player is he? And he put square-framed corner type with big lefty thump. I can sign on for that. I can, I, hey, that's <laughs> what you want. I like that. I like that. I can sign on for that. That's uh. That's something that I like quite a bit, and we'll talk about more of the prospects here in a second. Uh, the interesting note, uh, as we kind of wrap up this survey talk here, when do you think the Tigers will reach the playoffs? More than one-third said 2025, which is probably fair, but also depressing. I think I put 2024 just because, like... Ooh. I was like, well, you know, with the, you know, we're still in expanded era, you know, and, and you just never know. It was, I, it was sort of like the wild card aspect of it, to use a pun, where it was like every every year there's some team that kind of like shoots up, and maybe they don't necessarily make the playoffs, but, you know, they go on some sort of run, and like the 2024 Tigers, if things kind of project, would be just as capable of doing something like that. Not that I, like, I wouldn't bet money on it. If I were to bet, I would have bet money on 2025, but I kind of was maybe trying to buy low on 2024, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I hope you're right, because I'd really <laughs> like to cover a, a, a competitive baseball team. You know, I'd probably lean... I don't know. Uh, I just think it's I just think it's interesting that people 
generally really down and out on the Tigers, but then can still be like, you know, in two years, I think they're a playoff team, which I guess speaks to faith in Scott Harris, which the, the survey does indeed reflect. Uh, I don't know. I want to see what happens this year. You know, do they actually make progress? Then I can believe 2025. If this year's kind of ugly, it's easy to tell yourself that, man, they're still a long way away at, at the same time. Um, AJ Hinch is under contract through 2025, so you better hope that they're <laughs> at least close by that point in time. Uh, well, here's the, well, yeah, here's the I don't thing. know. That's my take. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I think 2025, Five or twenty six is like safe. Twenty four. That's uh, that's showing a lot of faith in your Detroit Tigers, Karen. Well, look, if you were one of the fifteen percent that voted twenty twenty eight or later, you basically you're not a believer in AJ Hinch. You're not a believer in Scott Harris. Because if we're going five more years plus, uh, those guys aren't going to be well, around. Thinking back to last week, like the the longest playoff drought outside with the Angels thing is is really interesting. It is strange to think, wow. 28 other teams have made the playoffs more recently than than the Detroit Tigers. So there are a lot of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the, you know, the... The Rockies, you meant. Um, the Rockies, yeah. All these bad teams. These things are cyclical, and generally teams do not stay terrible forever. Uh, so that <laughs> is that is a vote in favor of the Tigers. Yeah, and again, sorry about sorry about the Angels, man. That, that's, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so to kind of go back into the Colt Keith, the prospect thing, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, the stuff under the surface is the farm system, right? And um, not not great, not great, Bob, as they say in terms of what, what national people think of the Tigers' farm system. Uh, I think as you put on Twitter, uh, Keith Law ranked the Tigers with a three in the front, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, you know not not where you want to be. And Keith Law, he had another funny line in there. I have to pull it up here in a second, but he put Job at number uh, eighty-three and Jace Young at eighty-eight. MLB Pipelines got Job at sixty-three. Young at 83, and Wilmer Flores, 95, Kylie McDaniel, Colt Key, 75, Flores, 90, Job, an honorable mention, which is like, ouch, ouch, city, you, bro, Uh, and also Christian Santana, so it was one of those things, was like, damn it, Job's not even in there, and then it's like, well, they shouted out Santana, so I can't be too mad, Uh, but... (laughs) And really no love for Jace Young at the all, bottom line, which, which kind of surprised me. See, I, I couldn't... Okay, so it's funny you bring that up. I actually didn't know how I really felt okay. about that. Because I was like, in theory, you know, the most... You know, your most recent first-round pick, and he was... You know, what were they? 12, 13, 12. whatever, uh, last year. And you would like the 12th overall pick to be higher. But at the same time, I was like... I don't know if I could really like attack anybody and I'm not like a prospect fiend or anything, but I don't know if I could really go after anybody for like his ranking. So I, I didn't really know how to square that pe- uh, peg, Cody. What, what about you? Uh, the guy was a, a prolific college hitter. Scouts all seem to think his hit tool will play in the majors. 
what he has working against him. He was not overly impressive in his short time in West Michigan last year. And he's not a very good defender. So I think that all combines to where just people people are very lukewarm on Young. I think they were when he was drafted. I think they, they are even more so now. Uh, I still really like the hit tool. And look, there we've discussed this before. There are questions about if he can actually hit um, high-end velocity. But I think this guy comes in with a hit tool that plays better than uh, other than Colt Keith anyone else in the Tigers system. So I think he's another top 150 lock. Is he actually top 100? Kind of depends on your perspective. You can definitely knock him for the defense because there are concerns like, does he have a position long-term, uh, especially now with the shift eliminated? Uh, I, I want to see more of Jace Young in person before I even really opine on that. Sure. Okay, so what Keith put in his uh, ranking of the farm system, Tigers at number 30. From 2016 to 2021 drafts, their top three picks by war to date are Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, and John Schreiber. Yikes. <laughs> and, and Yikes. He, and, he, and he used the ellipses there. So, like, it was, it was pretty good writing by friend of the podcast, Keith Law. Uh, who signed for $6,000 in the 15th round. He had that, that little nugget in there. And who accumulated that war with the Boston Red Sox, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. So Yeah, what did we so, give Avila yeah. again? A D? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, <laughs> a, a, a crazy note to me, I mean, we're freaking out about Joe, you know, where is he ranked, you know, blah, blah, blah. Keith Law put Jack Leiter at number 92. I mean, uh, that that... Wow. That has to be really concerning for wow. uh, Rangers fans, right? I mean, and a lot of people who wanted them some Jack Leiter, myself included, you know. Uh, wow. Yeah, ninety-two. Not 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 great, Bob either. Uh, I got a Job thing. I, I maybe this is rash of me, Merle. Podcast producer Merle is not paying attention. He needs to pay attention to the podcast. I don't know if I'm just wrong here. So I would encourage anybody to tell me I'm wrong. But I kind of would really like some version of minor league kid gloves to be taken off Jackson Joe. You know, this is going to be his well, I think, yeah. second full season, third if you include like, you know, what you know, they didn't pitch like his first time around, which that, you know, I understood. I get it. Uh, shortly after being drafted. But he's thrown 77 innings as a professional. And I was thinking, what if he went to college? How many innings would he have thrown? He probably would have thrown... I, I, I just I just pulled out a random name, a guy from our past, Andrew Heaney. As two years Oklahoma State, first year, 67 innings, second year, 118, and then he got drafted, and then he... Uh, pitched an additional 27 uh, after being drafted. So if Joe was in so college, high, A high-end college player is going to play summer ball, too. So he's probably yeah, throwing... Yeah. And, and fall stuff as Minimum well. 80 innings, you know, probably more. Yeah. If he's yeah, good. So, yeah, so I'm like... So basically, he hasn't really been much of a pitcher, Joe, to this point. And what I mean by that is he physically hasn't pitched that much. And so I, 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 I don't want, like the slow roll with him anymore per se like 
Can he just can he just go out and pitch? You know what I mean? I know you gotta be tender with arms. I'm sure there's some science behind this and all this stuff, but like I don't know if I can really take a another year of like doing like a one inning, two inning. You know, I doubt that's the plan. But the guy just gotta go out and pitch. He's 21 years old now. Go out, go out and be a pro and pitch, and let's see how good you are. Cause I'm curious. I believe in. And why they made the third pick, even though I wouldn't have done it, like I've said a million times, I believe why they did it. Let's go out and show it. I like I, I don't want you. Know, you look at these write-ups. How are these guys supposed to rank Jackson Job with seven seven seventy-seven innings? You know, yeah. like like it just like impossible. Well, and and that's why Keith didn't have Jackson Job on his top one hundred at all last year, and people were were freaking out. And I thought just based on his stuff alone, he should have been a top one hundred. Uh, Keith's ranking this year acknowledges the progress Job made because he's now in the top 100 at 83, yeah. which I think is a pretty appropriate ranking. I think the things we were told that Job is the most polished high school pitcher, you know, Tiger Scouts have ever seen, uh, that was BS because, as Keith points out, he gave up 12 homers and 61 and two-thirds innings in the Florida State League. Nobody with this kind of stuff should do that, Keith says. Um, it's because he wasn't polished. It's because he was he was challenging guys with fastballs, and professional hitters were beating him. Now, what we saw as the year played on is that that was a really valuable learning experience, and the Tigers took it that slow with him because they thought he had a lot to learn about pitching, and he was coming off a weird year. They wanted to be careful with his arm. Job made a lot of progress, started looking way better toward the end of the year, and this year... I would expect the kid gloves to be taken off a little bit and for him to get on a real trajectory. Uh, I continue to think the, the potential in his stuff is sky high. I wouldn't rank him much higher than kind of this 75-80-ish range because I think we do got to see what he does in a full load of innings. We do have to see how he does against more upper-level upper, upper level hitters. I think there's still such a wide range of outcomes for Jackson Job. Right now we see a, a good fastball, although one that didn't actually sizzle with the velocity we were kind of told it was. Uh, a nasty slider that he doesn't really command that well. Um, and then changeup is okay. The curve wasn't really a factor for him. Like This guy's got a ton of room to grow. He could absolutely become a great, great pitcher. Or maybe he doesn't take those steps forward. Um so that's that's how I feel about Job. I I like the eighty three ranking. I just want to correct the record on something real quick. He turns twenty one at the end of July. So me saying he's twenty one years old is slightly misleading. So you know, take that for whatever it's worth. Just want to correct the record on that. Obviously, still a very young guy, but at the same time, third year as a professional, number three overall pick. The, the the Marcelo Meyer situation will 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 not die obviously in the minds of Tigers fans, and for good reason. Yeah, Meyer is still a guy who I think probably has. There's a little bit of a temp uh, cooling of him a little bit, but the the rankings are still high. But if you read what what the what the guys say, like it's sorry, uh, you know, maybe not as quite as what we thought, but we'll see. Still a very young guy as well. Um. Is it fair, like, I saw somebody on Twitter, and I, I really apologize, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, kind of say that, like, Job, in order to not be a, disappointing, a disappointment given the guys drafted after him, has to be a Scherzer or Verlander oh, type? Oh, that was our, that was friend of the pod, Lynn Henning. Uh, Lynn Henning. Which I kind of agree with this Lynn take. 
And that's yeah. why the Tigers drafted him. They thought that's he tough. had that sort of ceiling. So you better go do it. it that's is, tough. That's it tough is expectations tough, for a kid. But I don't yeah. know that it's incredibly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, just, it, but it's one of those things that's jarring. Because typically, yeah. like, you want to temper those kind of, like, like, no one was saying, you know, Marcel Meyer to be, you know, worthy of the third of a pick. He's going to have to be, like, a Derek Jeter type, you know? Uh, like, like it's just that's just tough. That's tough to put on the kid, you know? I, in a way, I feel bad for him. It's not his fault he was drafted third. But yeah. uh, but I, but either way, I want to see him go out a little bit more. Well, what I think people want to know, Karen, is, like, is the Tigers' farm system actually the worst in baseball? And it's interesting when you look. Kylie McDaniel rated them, I believe, 21. 21, so, 21. You know, Keith has been lower on the Tigers for years now. And, you know, last year, two years ago, he had them like 13. And Torkelson and Green were still prospects. And I disagreed with that. Uh, because although the farm system was hev- uh, top heavy, you had some pretty upper echelon talents that I think the Tigers deserve to be ranked in the top five. Um, and it's interesting now that the Tigers definitely lack those true upper echelon prospects because uh, those guys are still very young big leaguers. They have some interesting talents, but like we were just talking about with Job and Jace Young, not a lot of sure things, no sure things, but the depth is there. And Keith, Keith Law not having Colt Keith, Wilmer Flores in his top 100 shows that Keith... Uh, either isn't educated on the depth or isn't buying, you know, those guys Mm -hmm. who who really made surges last year. I do think the Tigers depth has improved. Um, It worries me that there's not one prospect on this list where I'm like, Oh yeah, that dude's going to be a a guy. Uh, Christian Santana. I love, 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 but he's like 18, 19 years old. I mean, who knows? I think I think they're a uh, bottom third farm system. I think that's yeah. pretty much agreeable. So if you want to rank them yeah. twenty two or twenty four or thirty, sure. like does anyone really know? I do think when you look at Parker Meadows, Santana, uh, you just added Justin Henry Malloy, Colt Keith. You look at the progress Wilmer Flores, some guys made last year. I, they're they're probably not absolute bottom of the barrel but i also don't know uh any other farm system as well as i know the tigers farm system so i'm you know not expert at comparing which is what what keith and kylie you know make their livings doing yeah i mean i think there's a very real world where uh colt keith healthy body mind develops and he shoots up you know, general rankings. I think there's a world where Job actually pitches and then people can kind of see his stuff and then he he shoots up. I think there's a lot of, I'm going to say a lot, there's a decent amount of guys on this list, uh, the Tigers prospects, where I'm like, you know what? I can see a world where there's, like, there's a leap coming. And you weren't necessarily looking at the farm system that way in previous years because it was so top-heavy. Uh, but now I think you're looking at it's like all right, like do I, I feel really good about Malloy's profile to a guy that like is what one you know a top 150 prospect. I, I feel way better about it than I probably should based on all these rankings. Um, you know the Santana thing again, like you said, young kid. You know we'll see. 
the Flores situation, like that, that's going to be an interesting one. And Parker Meadows, like, is this is this stuff for real? I think there's there's a lot of leaps that could be had in this farm system. So uh, it'll be very it'll be very interesting to follow and, and very interesting for you, Cody, to be able to see some of there these guys. And, uh, and for the record, like the pitching, like I think Wilmer Flores is going to pitch in the big leagues probably this year. Uh, I'm not sold if he's a starter. Like he needs a third pitch. Ty Madden needs a third pitch. Uh, Wilmer Flores could be great, but I don't know that he's a future front-end starter. He has a lot of development to do, which could happen. He was a late-blooming guy in the first place. But um, I'm not fully biting on Wilmer Flores either in terms of him being like the future. I think he's a big league pitcher. He might be a great reliever. When I look at their pitching, I see a lot of four, five, or swingman types. A lot of guys who only have two pitches might end up being better optimized in the bullpen. There's pitching depth, but I think Job is the only one that really has that high ceiling. Yeah, the Flores situation is interesting. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched him pitch and studied his film or anything like that. But he is a guy who... Could it be like a like a poor man's version of the school bull rise? uh it could be, it could you, be. you know because he i'm not gonna say he came out of nowhere because he was he would have he was in the 2020 draft and if you guys don't remember that was what five rounds uh so there was a yeah. lot there was a lot of guys that would have been drafted and probably would have been drafted in a healthy area that didn't so they signed as free agents because of you know covid and all that stuff so uh he falls into that category and because like he wasn't even on the top 30 prospect list, I believe uh, for the Tigers until last year. And then all of a sudden he's in the futures right. game. He wins the, you know, minor league pitcher of the year for the organization. And he'll be this year's Bo Brisky at a minimum. Right. And, you know, in terms of, you know, probably one of the first to get the call up and uh, people are going to be excited about, you know, what he may or may not do. He's, it's kind of a fun guy to see on the mound. He's huge, you know. He's got the long hair, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. But like, that's another guy who, you know, if I'm looking at guys who could pop, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with any analysis you just gave there. But there's momentum with Wilmer Flores that I'm like very intrigued to see how it plays out. I think that it's going to be as interesting as ever to watch prospects this spring. A lot of these guys I have not seen since last spring, especially lower-level guys in the system. Um, and Tigers player development has undoubtedly improved. Um, if Wilmer Flores shows up and suddenly he's got a feel for his changeup, I mean, that's a complete game-changer. You know, last I saw, he doesn't. But these things can change. Another uh, exercise uh, Dan Dickerson I heard do on the radio that's just really puts these things in perspective. Like, this is all so fluid. This is all guesswork. 2016 top 10 prospects. Corey Seager, Byron Buxton, Lucas Giolito, Julio Arias, uh, J.P. Crawford, Orlando Garcia, Yohan Moncada, Dansby Swanson, Joey Gallo, Tyler Glasson. Several really solid big leaguers. I don't know if you have one true superstar. Mm -hmm. Seeger, Swanson are really good. Buxton, if healthy, but, you know. Uh, and then you go down the list. Ozzy Albies was 29. Aaron Judge was 31. Um, Tim Anderson, 47. Some of the absolute Josh Hader, 61. Some of the absolute best 
players in this class were not ranked in the top 10. Daz Cameron was number 75. So, you know, I, there's still a lot of guesswork that goes into development. It's, it's a lot of guesswork. Daz Cameron was number 75. Like... Daz Cameron. <laughs> well... You know, like people always get mad with you know at, at Keith or you know Kylie or whatever. It's like oh, you don't like our team or you don't believe in our guys, and it's like pretty sure it's pretty hard to like you know do all this yeah. stuff. Like that's a lot of names, it's a lot of guys to study, research, watch film on, go visit. You know, like it's it's a hard job. So, uh, so yeah, it's fluid. It's all guesswork. There's still a lot that will play out. Um, but I wanted to kind of end the podcast. Uh, about 10 minutes here, Cody, with uh, with a little fun game. So we, I felt like we were a little bit more, you know, down is maybe some a word to use. Like we were like, what is this team going to do at third base? That was a huge talking point. And I stand by the things that we said. And sometimes people think we're being too critical. That's fine. As you said earlier, like, we're not trying to be positive. We're not trying to be negative. We're just trying to be truthful. How we see it is how we say it here. As I say all the time, these conversations aren't that much different than if you and I were just talking on the phone. Just a little bit cleaner language. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, let, 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 let's let let's get a little some positive spring training vibes. I know we got one more before spring training is going to kind of kick a little bit. But some positive spring training vibes. Let's bring it up. And as listeners who stuck with us through the entire offseason, thank you very much, by the way, for that. We took a weekend off so that we could go to our friend Tim's bachelor party in New Orleans. And I promise all this will all make sense. Tim's the guy who's also an Uber driver, introduced <laughs> uh, my wife and I. Very, very crucial person in our lives. And so his then fiance, now wife, got married a couple weeks ago gave me like a uh i think this might have been from like vogue magazine or you know something like that some little game that she found where like uh, I think she answers cosmo, some questions yeah. about him okay yeah, cosmo yeah. she answers some questions about him and and then we have to ask him what her answer is and if he gets it right then we all drink take a drink and then if he gets it wrong then he has to drink there's like 12 of them or something so one of them was, how would you describe uh, your partner intimately? And uh, with a song, what song would you describe your partner intimately? And her answer was Demi Lovato's What's Wrong With Being Confident, which uh, is awesome. What's wrong with so being confident? I'm calling this segment, What's Wrong With Being Confident? All right, what is wrong with being confident? We got, I got a number of things in here. We can kind of fire them off. Cody, what is wrong with being confident that Riley Green blossoms? What's wrong with being confident about that? Because the he's had weird stuff just happen to him, you know, throughout his professional career, including the COVID year, which was obviously weird for everybody. And then it's like, you know, he's coming on spring training. He's made the team. You know, he's, he's proven himself that he will get the uh, opportunity to play center field, high prospect, favorite prospect. Now he's, you know, who's your tiger? And he breaks his foot. 
and he's out for three months or you know whatever it was and there's just an acclimation period that comes with that he showed enough to me last year uh, hopefully he just stays healthy th- you know during spring training I'm sure he's still a young guy I'm sure he's gotten stronger I'm sure he's worked on his swing and you know he seems like a very very focused baseball player what's wrong with being confident this guy blossoms now I say blossoms I'm not predicting an all-star you know you know all this stuff, but blossoms blossoms into one of the one of the league's young up-and-coming like stars like actual guys you know what's wrong with being confident in that I don't think there's anything wrong with being confident on that you want the positive here it is I don't think there's anything at all wrong with that um and another thing I was thinking of, for as much as we can split hairs over, well, who's going to play third base? Or is Nick Maton going to be any good? Or, like, who's going to be, you know, is Joey Wentz going to get enough innings and all this? How much of everything is still just dependent on Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson? Because there is a world in which Riley Green is post the Julio Rodriguez line from last year. 28 homers, 284 average, 345 OBP. I think that is... Very attainable. Um, you know, people are thinking Julio this year is going to be 30-30 or 40-40, and I don't know if Riley will be, you know, quite that ceiling, but Riley Green could become Julio Rodriguez, like replicate Julio's 2022. That I don't view that as unrealistic. I think Riley Green has that level of talent. And if that happens and Torque suddenly starts to look like a 1-1 guy, Suddenly, you have two uh, really, really good hitters in your lineup. Suddenly, you go from having no good hitters in your lineup to Torque Green and a a renewed Austin Meadows. And suddenly, suddenly, oh, maybe they can make the playoffs in twenty twenty four. Bottom line, I think I think Riley Green is. I wouldn't rule anything out with that kid. I think it might just happen. Yeah, for sure. I. I'm so excited for uh, for his future, and you kind of led into the next one. What's wrong with being confident? Torque finds himself. He finds himself. He is 1-1. He was a relatively universal 1-1 guy um, in that draft, and this guy has hit since he was swinging awkwardly a thing, a ball off a tee. Like, he's hit his entire life. Uh, It's hard for me to believe that he's just not going to be able to hit. Maybe expectations can be tampered, but that's why I said find himself. Find himself. Torque, find himself. I, You know, you can find some numbers there at the end, like, that make you feel good. I don't really care about that. Momentum doesn't carry over. Uh, The level of confidence that they put in him by basically not addressing first base tells me like their confidence so what's wrong with being confident that torque can bounce back because or you know find himself i should say find himself be, maybe make this like his actual rookie year you know last year doesn't count this is your rookie year let's see what yeah i mean do. unfortunately i'm i'm worried about torque uh you have to believe it's in there somewhere right but when you hit whatever it was 211 or you know, when you can't hit fastballs down the middle of the plate, that is really, really concerning. Um, you know, I, I it's got to be in his head now. I think it wore on him mentally. And then you look even on MLB radio, like last week, 
mentioned, you know, I, I just got to get back to my swing, like my swing works. And it's like, it, it does it because it doesn't seem to, you know, it didn't work last year for you. Uh, I think that's problematic. And then for as much as you're like, well, he was 1-1, you can scroll down a long list of 1-1 picks, uh, you know, who never amounted to anything <laughs> in the major leagues. Now, I'd say most since, like, 1998 have at least been, like, big league careers. But, you know, there there are plenty of players in the history of this game who are very high draft picks and just did not quite hit at the major league level. Uh, big year for Twerk to show something. And I, the, the stubbornness with the, the swing is is what concerns me as much as anything. Uh, I want to see what he looks like when he shows up to spring. I want to see what AJ and the new hitting staff are working with him on. And I want to see if anything's actually different. Because if it's the same as last year, uh, I, I don't see how better results are going to come. Is concern level more for the swing or for... Uh, I, I think I've got... Like, plate approach type approach stuff. approach is generally good. I mean, it could be a lot worse. It's too passive, if, if anything. Uh, but That's what I mean. Like, should he be more aggressive? I think the concern like, with Tort now is mental, which plays into plate approach, which plays into swing, which plays into does he still have confidence in himself? That's what worries me more than anything mechanical, more than any number. It's like, is does this kid still believe in himself? I, I guess he believes in his swing, but that's mental too. Like, there's this stubbornness and something that hasn't gotten results. And look, right or wrong, he's, you know, he's going to be under a lot of media scrutiny and we're going to show up first day of spring and it's going to be like, you know, we're going to be nice and courteous and respectful and empathize with him. It's going to be like, so bro, like what's, what's up with your swing? And he's going to have to answer those questions. And that's going to be another thing that's in the back of his mind all the time. And uh, that's where I grow worried for him. Yeah. Big year. I mean, either way, big year for him. Uh, and I mean, I'm going to say big. Crucial. Crucial year for Spencer Torkson, no doubt. All right. What's wrong, Cody, with being confident that Kerry Carpenter remains something positive? Like, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, was there anything wrong with Kerry Carpenter last year? No. He was actually a yeah. better defender than people thought he was going to be, too. He was adequate in the outfield. He wasn't a liability yeah. like we had kind of been led to believe. Another thing is this is a guy who could benefit from the shift change rules. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like, I, you know, he played, he started the one game that I went to when the Tigers were down here in, in Texas. And I was like, you know, I kind of, I like it. You know, like, could this, could he be, could he be the actual fourth outfielder? Not the one that, not the cycle. Could he be the fourth outfielder? Because he's going to platoon DH, but he's not a DH of the future. Like, he's not a DH, you know what I mean? Could he be, like, could that actually be his role on an above 500 team? This is one where, again, it'd be a lot better if Miguel Cabrera was not on the roster, so you could DH Carpenter often. Uh, I think for Carey to be on the roster, he's really going to have to hit. And, look, the kid can do it. He had six home runs. He, he showed a lot more at the major league level than Spencer Torkelson did last year. That's just the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Carpenter needs to continue to become a more well-rounded hitter. I think he 
concerns can he go the opposite way is you know his swing and miss going to completely unravel him does he actually have a disciplined plate approach but all he did last year was have success and he came up to the major leagues and he had 252 with six homers and 30 games his ops plus was 128 uh you know i don't know that he's ever going to do much against left-handed pitching but this is all to say the roster discussion between him and Nikhil Badu is so interesting because I'm not sure you can carry them both, both left-handed guys, and just completely different players. Carpenter, you put in there for the bat, and Nikhil, you put in there for skill sets that I think match up more with what you envision a good 2023 Tigers team being, which is you know some singles and some tough two-strike at-bats and some steals and some a, a lot of the little gritty things, and that's what Akil's great at, the energizer. Um, and I think for Carey to get the nod over Akil, it's not going to be able to be close. You know, he's going to have to be really raking. And, and look, if he does that, I don't think you can deny it. Um, so that's all to say. It, there's some reason to... Maybe we're sleeping on Kerry Carpenter a little bit. You're not completely wrong. Yeah, I think I think we just I don't know. I feel like he deserves a little bit more consideration. That's all. You know, not over. I think you're right. I think you're right, and that's something I hadn't thought about a ton until we start talking about. As I mentioned, I'm still. I think I'd still rather carry Akil Badu on my roster, but we'll see how the year plays out. There are going to be injuries. I'm sure we'll see plenty of both guys. Yeah. uh, that's the cool thing about it. It's going to come down to which one of y'all is going to play. Who's going to perform on the field? There's going to be a little bit of pressure, a little bit of friendly competition between both of those guys, and we're going to get to see who wins out. Yeah. Now, the spring training position battles are fun. You know, I enjoy them a lot. A guy whose position is not in question, but his long-term future is, what's wrong with thinking, like, there's a new Matthew Boyd out there? You know, this is a guy that was brought in by the Giants and he didn't really get to kind of... He has yet to showcase this newfound uh, stuff, uh, for lack of a better term, that he's sporting. And you mentioned how he was when, you know, under a previous regime. And I would probably wager he would be a Tiger with a cleaner bill of health in 20, after 2021. So... Maybe it was just like a weird detour. He he's he's kind of found new life. What's wrong with thinking Matthew Boyd's found new life? Because Scott Harris believes it, and he doesn't have an emotional attachment yeah, no, to I the mean, Tigers. This is, look, this is one I was pretty positive about. I like the Matt Boyd signing more than a lot of a lot of people on Tigers Twitter. This is a guy who's had success in the past. Has missed bats. Um, the question is, you know, is he going to be healthy? Can he be more consistent? Uh, this is going to be his age 32 season. So I do have some questions like, is there a complete reinvention coming? But the Giants had a great track record of identifying pitcher Kevin Gossman. Guys who had been around a little bit and showed some stuff, but were kind of these four-plus ERA guys. And then they had breakout year. Carlos Rodon was one of them. And now everyone like, thinks Rodon's an upper-tier pitcher because he was yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. I don't know that there's that level of ceiling with Matt Boyd, but, you know, easy to forget that 2021 Matthew Boyd, he only threw 78 innings, but he had a 3.89 ERA. Uh, FIP was 4.10. You know, could Matthew Boyd have a 3.8 ERA this year? I think he could. I think and he if could. he does that, you're pretty dang happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, not to mention all the intangible stuff. So, 
All right, well, I hope that people had fun with that. We, we should be all confident. We should feel good. Spring train's around the corner. There's a lot of intrigue on this team. Looking forward to getting your reports straight from Florida. And look, if, at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod, what are y'all most confident or most confident in with this upcoming team? You know. And also, we are going to do a mailbag episode next week. We'll put it out on Twitter as well. We're going to do a mailbag episode next week. So any questions you got for Cody and myself before he goes down to Florida, sort of your last sort of off seasons and, you know, what's this going to look like, you know, before we actually get to see it at Cody Stavenhagen at Kieran underscore Steckley and at turn corner pod. Cody, it's a fun podcast. You got anything else for me, brother? No, I think that kind of a quiet off season, as the fan survey reflected. There's not a lot of excitement about the Tigers, but now that we're getting close, now that we really start looking at the roster, it's like, man, it's hard not to get excited. I was worried I wasn't going to feel it this year. I'll be honest. I was telling people last week, they're like, you ready for spring training? It's kind of like, I mean, like I want to be, but I just don't feel yeah. mentally like there this year. And in like just the last couple days, man, I'm starting to. I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to be excited to get back in the rhythm, to really dive more. Just to see all these players that we've speculated about today, just to actually see them and be able to make real educated evaluations. Like uh, Spring is still going to be fun. It is every year. That's the beautiful thing about baseball. Couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow on Twitter. Like I'll say it again, at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, at Turn Corner Pod. Subscribe, Apple, Spotify, five-star five review if you feel so inclined. Cody, I'll talk to you next week, and you'll be on the verge of going down to Florida for some spring training. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.